What's Yo up, Internet? Yo-ho, and a bottle Damn. of rum. Right. Welcome to the Pirate Pals. Oh. We're here this week to talk about Marauders number one. It's the all-new Kate Pride fan cast. Well, shiver me timbers, Kale. That sounds like a pretty exciting episode. I am excited. Squaw! <laughs> oh, you're all the pirate. I, I get it. One day... Sean is going to listen back on this episode, and he's going to kill all of us. He's going to book a flight to Europe and strangle the life out of you, Kale. There, if, there's, if there's one thing I know about the Comics Pals, and listen, we've been doing this for a long time, so it's amazing that I've learned this much, it's that none of us listen to our own show. So, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I think I Sean do. is the only one who does. I do. I comment on the episode post. Well, you edit it, though. That's like cheating. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like when I miss an episode, I'll listen in and be like, you know what, guys? Quality. Quality, gentlemen. That's what it's y'all true. produce. You do do that. You do give us the feedback, which is nice. I listen uh, to but one you know, episode you... a year. <laughs> <laughs> don't be so well, honest. if you don't know the Comics Pals as well as Kale, uh, you're tuned in to episode 157 of it, uh, where we're a group of comic book Yar. journalists and friends who talk about comics because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. That's what Sean says anyway. Uh, so I'm going to take Sean's little soapbox time here, and I've, I've got a little game for you, gents. So Pete's I know, Pedestal. Uh, I, I, yes. Oh, hey. <laughs> so I know last week uh, you guys talked about the Rotten Tomatoes score around the Watchmen show. Since then, Sean and Kale had a chance to watch the first episode and review it, which you can go check out anywhere where you catch our podcasts. Uh, so go listen to that if you want to hear what we thought about episode one. Um, but since then... There's been a little update to this story. So I am going to have us play our Rotten Tomatoes game where I want to have you guys guess on both the tomato meter score from critics and the average audience score. Oh. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right. You want to start it off, Marco? Let's go, let's go, let's go. So <laughs> critics, 86. Okay, 86. Audience, 92. Okay. What about you, Kale? When we talked about it, I, or when I saw last, it was 91% for critics. Okay. I think... I think it's gone up. So I'm going to say... Ooh. I'm going to say 93 critics. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say... I'm going to say 90 audience. Okay. So, <clears throat> Kale is our winner uh, yeah. because you were the closest without going over. You were correct in thinking that the uh, the score had gone up. However, uh, you're actually wrong about how much it went up. It's actually sitting at a 98% right now. That's Overwhelmingly positive reviews from critics. Whoa. On uh, however, both of you way overshot the average audience score which really? takes us into the the story of it uh so it is at a 43 percent right now <gasps> oh wait 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 i think what? i know why yeah uh oh. why don't you take your guess uh it got it got audience bombed it got review the, bombed all yep the, that's uh, all the racist shit yeah, uh, so I'm pulling right now from an article that CBR put up a couple days ago called Watchmen is the latest comic-based TV series to get review bombed. And uh, I'm going to just read some of the so, – just some of these quotes uh, so we can laugh at them for a second here. 
so while there are a number of audience reviews that seem to voice genuine reservations and criticisms of the new show, many others are complaints about the show's perceived politically correct update for 2019. Watchmen, more like woke men, one reviewer wrote. Spent all day on that one, pal? Jesus. Yeah, he was sitting there for a while. He was really like, oh, I fucking juices. got him. Like, what a <laughs> douche. Uh, another added, this show is a wolf in sheep's clothing. It has nothing to do with Marvel or DC Comics. Don't know why you'd bring up Marvel. Why would it have anything to do with Marvel Comics, fake-ass fanboy? Rather, it's a show which attempts to further a flawed political na- liberal narrative about who the good and bad guys are in today's society. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, libards. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, like what a bunch of fucking clowns. There's nothing I appreciate more than when someone like gets like real like like ratcheted up and emotional about a comic book thing like that and then they say something that clearly signals that they don't read comics. So it's nothing to do with Marvel or DC Comics. Why why would it have anything to do with Marvel (laughs) Comics? Also, if you'd been following the show, you'd know that it's uh, you know, uh, pretty loosely connected to the original Watchmen, so... Uh, I don't know, guys. Do do we know why the uh, or what the reviews have been from critics? Like any any sort of words from that? I mean, based on on this, it's like overwhelmingly positive. I I saw a review roundup uh, earlier from a couple of the like big, you know, like RogerEbert.com and stuff like that, and like even the more like kind of buttoned up organizations are like falling all over it, saying this is exactly what you know superhero like superhero media needs right now it's something different it's a shot in the arm like all those kinds of things so um uh variety uh really uh i I don't know how they got away with such a a bold statement they say that uh uh, regina king plays the 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 uh, sister knight Uh uh-huh so wild review i tell (laughs) you (laughs) <laughs> I was waiting for there to be more and then that was it. <laughs> hey, how do you think I felt when I read the review? <laughs> Great job, Variety. <laughs> yeah, you, so I mean if you want to hear a real review uh, where we list sure three or four characters. Reviews. Right. <laughs> yeah, so go check that one out. Uh like I said, it's up on all all of our podcast services, so um and I, I think the plan now is to do reviews for every episode, so um, we're still yeah we're still in in conversations about that but uh yeah at least look for the second episode yeah yeah so um, unless it really loses us i think you can expect us to have uh at least a few more reviews coming out about watchmen so uh if you're watching it like definitely write in let us know your thoughts uh hit us up at the comics pals at gmail.com and uh if you're not go uh, check it out and listen to our review yeah just a, a quick one just since we're here uh i thought it was real good Sean and I both uh, were very, very surprised at how good it was. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't gotten to watch it yet, but I edited the review that you guys did, and I was like, ooh, this sounds good. Like, it, it, like the fact that walking out of it, you were both like, I'm ready for the next episode. Like, I'm all in. I was like, damn, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. So, jump very on nice. it. Yeah, very nice. Um, so, yeah, go check that one out and uh, keep your eyes peeled for more Watchmen coverage from us. Um, but speaking of writing in at thecomicspalsatgmail.com, there are a number of ways that you guys can uh, help out the show and show your support. So uh, the easiest way to do that is to just give us a like on your podcast platform of choice wherever you listen to us. Make sure you're liking every episode. And uh, if you know there's somewhere where you get your podcast where we're not, let us know and we'll make sure we get there. 
And, uh, you know, the easiest way, again, too, is, like, share the show. Go give us one of those nice five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. All those things, they take just a few seconds, and they really help us get more eyes and ears on the show, help us grow. And uh, it, we'd really appreciate it if you could go and show your support. It hurts you a lot more than it costs us. That's what Sean always says. That's what Sean always says. <laughs> All right, so moving right along into our Pals Pulls this week, I'm going to kick things off with Kale's Picks. We've got Fantastic Four Grand Design Number 1 by Tom Scioli. Yeah, I'm real excited about this. This is going to be a new new series that sort of condenses and uh, uh, sort of makes sense of the Fantastic Four's timeline in the same way that Ed Pisker did with uh, the X-Men. And I'm very excited about it. I love the Fantastic Four. Uh, also, this Ed Pisker cover of uh, Ben Grimm in uh, in the Frank Miller style is very cool. I have not seen that. I'm going to pull that up. Um, but yeah, I, I love this Grand Design Initiative. I think it's like a really, really like smart way to like introduce new readers to, you know, like the real versions of the characters. The continuity. Yeah. 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 Oh, it, it, dude, this cover is a sick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. Is, is wow. the initiative going to be with, like, uh, a new grand design and, like, a new artist for each one, like, artist-writer? I, yeah, I don't know. That seems to be the case so far. I'm, okay. I'm interested to see what they'll do because the X-Men and the Fantastic Four make sense. I think they've also got a very convoluted history. Yeah. Whereas I think with a character like Spider Man, it's just kind of hey, everybody knows it's fine. <laughs> I, I feel like you could do a grand design for any of their legacy characters, though, just because like even even with a character like Spider Man, who's it's more straightforward. Like if you're the I, average person who like has just seen you know Homecoming or like whatever Spider Man movies were out while you were alive. Like, you might not have that access to that history or that knowledge. And, like, it's an easy way to, like, just get people in the door, you know, and get them caught up. But I feel like I feel like with Spider-Man, there's a lot more out there for him. I feel like there are books similar to Grand Design for Spider-Man. Yeah, that's uh, definitely true. To grab from. That's, yeah, and, and I, I don't think you're wrong about that. Like, Spider-Man Blue is, like, a great point of entry. Like, there are a lot of books like that that are, like, a little bit easier to digest mm-hmm. than stuff with the X-Men or the Fantastic Four because there is so much, like, lore and crazy shit with them. I'd be um, interested to see if they do one for, like, the Avengers. I feel like that would be a, a, a good pick, too, because there's such a convoluted history there and so many different teams and all yeah. that crap. So yeah. Yeah. Um I, I I would love to see them do more of these grand designs though. I think I think that's a it's a smart move and it's one that like for their last few years of wanting to bring in new readers and capitalize on like the mainstream success that they have, these are the kind of books that that I think do it. Well, and and having Ed Pisker do the the X-Men one was is uh, such a great idea uh because he he is with his hip hop family tree, he was able to really condense, you know, a, a vast history of you know decades worth of music and and in this case, you know, comic stories that, in a way, that makes sense and is digestible. And he can also reproduce the the art in a very specific way, uh, and it works and complements the original stuff very very well. Yeah. And I think that's that's important. Like that's how you get that 
that's how you make something like this work, right? Yeah. You put that care into it to like honor the history, but also like not be slavish to it. Yeah. And that's it. Seems like they've they've hit a good uh, a good mix of that with X Men. So hopefully, Fantastic Four, you know, lands in the same way. Mm. I'd love to do these for like a book club or something. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, all right, so you also had X Men Starjammers Omnibus uh, by Dave Cockrum. This is one I was interested in. Now that the uh, the Starjammers, you know, made their kind of return, I guess, in X Men One, or at least return for me since I've been out of X Men books for a long time. Well, they were in. Um, they've kind of been around in the periphery again after um, Bendis brought back the young, the original five X Men, and they were young. And uh, there was a Greg Rucka wrote a series with Cyclops kind of going on space adventures with the Corsair and um, and the Star Jammers are just so fucking cool. Yeah, dude. They I, are. I don't have like aside from their appearances in like X Men proper, like I have never really like checked out much of their stuff. So yeah. is this collecting that plus other series? Is it just their books or? To my knowledge, it's everything that the Star Jammers are in. Oh, cool. Or, or it, it could very well just be the stuff that Dave Cockrum has done. Well, that's fine. Sure. I remember uh, after there was a point in X-Men where um, it split off into a number of books, like New Mutants came out, X-Force, uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I think at some point Starjammers broke out into its own thing, and that was one of the few actual series that I've that I like looked back into outside of the X-Men. Because it was just awesome stuff. Like that's gonna be a cool collection. You know what? I didn't. I didn't know until uh, recently. Like I, I was reading X Men number one, and um, I was like, I wanted to like refresh my memory on the Star Jammers because it's been so fucking long since I've seen them in a book. Um, and I didn't realize that Dave Cockrum tried to enter them into like one of Marvel's. You know, like um, like one of their anthology books where they would like debut new characters, and if they were popular, they got new books. And the the queue was filled up for so long that he showed them to um, uh, oh my god, uh, Jesus Christ! This is why I need to drink more caffeine in the morning. <laughs> um, Stanley, Chris Claremont. Oh, and oh. and and Claremont like liked them, and he like convinced them to put them in the X Men so that they would be characters already, and he didn't have to like get them approved. Sick. And then that was like how they became Sick. a team. <laughs> That's awesome. Which is just hilarious. Yeah, so he's like, can you just like, can you help me skip this queue and just put them in our most popular book right now, please? <laughs> I mean, if you if you got that, you know that uh, that poll, like, yeah, fucking I, right? It? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny that, like, Dave Cockrum <laughs> created them in their first appearances in a book he didn't do. <laughs> uh, so for Marco, you had uh, The Often Wrong by Feral Dalrymple? Dalrymple? Yeah, Dalrymple. Feral okay. Dalrymple. So is it an image da- book? Yeah, it's an image book, but uh, I've been following this artist for a couple years. He is He's been in the underground scene for like the past maybe 20 years. Uh, I actually have a book um, randomly that I picked up. Uh, and since then I followed him. It's a single issue. Um, and from there on, I started following his art. So this is one of his art books. A lot of the time he has uh, comics included in these art books. So what I do is you know, I'll buy it for those pieces. But then obviously he has his other collections, his other like whatever it is. Um, so mostly I like it for his really spacious uh, aesthetic 
and this like paper feel um and yeah dude if you guys if you guys ever have a a second to check out he has this one series proxima centauri uh that was also published from image um very very cool stuff cool i think i've heard of that i uh i i'm a big fan of like art books and zines and like mm-hmm. stuff where it's just like this is just a cool collection of like creative things like so that's that sounds appealing for sure i i think i think you definitely get a kick out of it because i know you have like a lot of uh uh like sci-fi leanings mm-hmm. and that's very much like his space that's cool yeah maybe i'll huh. check this one out that sounds that definitely sounds appealing to me yeah i feel like you've told us about this before i think so yeah you might have mentioned it um so yeah that's the often wrong so check it out Image Comics. Uh, so then the other one you had was, uh, this is a vault book, The Plot, number two. Oh, yes, The Plot. Uh, What's so up with Joshua The Plot? Hickson, uh, I have the first issue. I haven't actually read it yet. <laughs> um, but I'm excited because I know it's been getting a lot of buzz. Uh, Joshua Hickson is a super awesome artist from um, Shanghai Red. And, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, duh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. This, is, this, this is his book. Uh, it's sort of like supposed to be kind of like an anthology horror um and it's been getting raved like yeah uh, I mean, so i saw the i was just like trying to look up who who it was from earlier when you sent it over mm-hmm. and i saw from vault comics's twitter when they tweeted out about it um they did a second printing of number one already which for yep. you know not not to throw shade at vault but they're small so like any of their exactly. books getting a second printing is a big fucking deal it's significant so, so that's cool like obviously it's getting some getting some attention so it's a book that, uh, and obviously because he's uh, more like horror focus, it's uh-huh. it's the the call, right? Indie, small pub, and horror. Uh oh, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Marco's like, all right, I got to show my support here. I'll never be able to carry my nerd card again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then from me, I have uh, Excalibur number one, which is you know the next uh, House of X spin out book. Um, I really enjoyed both X number one and uh, Marauders number one, which we're going to talk about later. So uh, my plan is to pick up all of these books until one of them loses my attention because, like, I'm definitely still on the X-Men hype train right now. So the idea of them, like, having an X-Men book out, like, every week for the next, like, two months, fine with me. Mm. All right, then I guess it's time for the news. So uh, let's let's move on. Our first uh, item on the news list this week is uh, Old Man Yells at Cloud. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, sorry. Uh, I haven't Francis yelled at a cloud Coppola. in years. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah, what I meant to say was Francis Ford Coppola is the latest uh, director to uh, speak out against the MCU. Um, so, obviously, we talked about this a few weeks ago with Martin Scorsese. Uh, it's been a talking point for years for some reason whenever an old cinema person comes out and talks out against the MCU, but everybody had their panties in a you know bunch about it this week, so... You know, we'll talk about it. Um, he was, um, and Coppola, was getting interviewed recently uh, and was asked about a, the controversy surrounding Scorsese's comments uh, around the MCU. And he didn't just agree with his comments. He doubled down and, and went even farther. So, so let, me, let me read his quote. When Martin Scorsese says that Marvel pictures are not cinema, he's right, because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment, some knowledge, some inspiration. I don't know what anyone gets out of seeing the same movie over and over and over again. 
Martin was kind when he said it's not cinema. He didn't say it's despicable, which I say it is. Damn, son. Fucking nail him to the wall. Yeah. uh, Dude, you know. They're they're making comic comic book movies low art now. Like, this is where the medium gets relegated. Yep. Yeah. And it's just like, no, this is stupid. Don't. (laughs) No. This is assholes asking old artists what they think of a certain thing and making it a headline and creating fake clickbait nerd rage like no it isn't <laughs> i mean i i don't i think there's some truth to what marco is saying i don't think it's like this principled fucking position or anything like that it's just like it's like that's why i made the old man yells at cloud joke he's an 80 year old fucking director do you think that when he was the young hot upstart that all the 80 year old directors that were alive then didn't make comments about how the godfather was too fucking violent you know like it's it's all it's all the same shit like you know like didn't and, uh, he... Scorsese did that is what I meant but you get what I'm saying the the older generation always looks at the newer generation stuff as trivial and you know disposable and all that shit you know our parents parents said the same things about rock and roll and now they teach ro- about rock and roll history in colleges you know so it's like it's all the same fucking shit over and over again didn't Co- Coppola say he was super into the Spider-Verse, though? Did I don't he? know. I'm going to look that up. That would I, be hilarious. I feel like I saw that uh, as like a follow-up maybe a few hours later. Uh, yeah, so here's this CBR article. Francis Ford Coppola has a surprising opinion of Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, let's see. Actually, Francis has seen it. This is okay. So this is... Co-director Peter Ramsey said in, in response to a Twitter post suggesting Coppola would enjoy Into the Spider-Verse, said, Actually, Francis has seen it and was very complimentary and really appreciated the innovation and animated performances. So not everything is so cut and dried. Interesting. I mean, that makes sense. That movie's a fucking masterpiece. So I just... Uh, <laughs> and that's, that's just where I'm at with these... All of these dumb clickbait article it's just like yeah of course you ask an old person like they can't keep up with the movie i can't keep up with the movie and i'm supposedly young and spry like it's not no yeah that's the thing is like these are such non-stories to me it's like whatever who cares i don't care what francis ford coppola thinks about the mcu i really don't you know and i I don't hate him i don't hate his movies it's just like it's not for him who gives a shit like like i get Uh, it honestly do you know what made me more annoyed was seeing phil tweet about it and he's like oh but i'm ready to see a bunch of nerds get angry because he's right and i'm just like shut (laughs) up him and murphy both said that oh i hate the mcu too it's like really because i'm pretty sure i'm on a review with you every four months where you say 75 percent of them were enjoyable so it's like just shut up who cares they're popcorn movies some of them are good some of them aren't I agree with them too, and I, <laughs> I just, yeah, well, I just have the sense not to tweet about it. <laughs> yeah, whatever, we, amazing. Yeah. Uh, so moving right along, let's talk about actual comics. Um, so DC has uh, amid another seemingly like shuffling of the deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh, we're canceling Doom Patrol: Way to the Worlds with number seven, even though it was originally. Um, like when it was listed on Amazon, this was vi- listed as volume one and it was solicited as an ongoing and it's being canceled. Uh, and then birds of prey, uh, by Brian Azzarello, which was supposed to be, um, again, was supposed to be a black label book. 
has been switched. It was going to be an ongoing Black Label book, excuse me, has been switched to a 96-page one-shot that's going to contain oh, wow. what would have been the first four issues. Whoa. Woof. Yeah, um, and I don't, I don't know if uh, if you guys recall, but this is also not the the you know the first trouble that Azarello's had. He was the guy who wrote the book that had the bat penis and all that. So it's like he's like batting a thousand with these <laughs> black label books right now. Yeah. Um. So I thought this was really interesting, considering like there, like there's a Birds of Prey movie coming and everything and like yeah, you'd think right? that they'd want to capitalize on that and it's been delayed I think it's delayed to January which is when that, that movie opens so I guess they are still trying to time it that way but this was this is weird like both of these feel like weird announcements to me like so soon after we knew what these books were supposed to be I would I would be willing to bet that the at least in the case of the Birds of Prey one they've got um, <clears throat> the Palmiotti's and uh, Amanda Connor, I think, are coming back for Harley Quinn and, and the Birds of Prey, which I think might be a, another Black Label title. So you think they want this to get out of the way for it? Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Maybe because uh, yeah. I yeah I think uh, I think it's it seemed like that book was gonna uh, tie in with the movie as well. So mm. yeah, and I mean it, with oh no, go ahead, Marco, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say, uh, sucks about Doom Patrol. I, I that's been that's been a good series. Uh, I have the first the first two volumes of it. This would have been the I guess like going into the f- fourth arc maybe. Um, but at any rate, it sucks Gerard Way book, um, Young Animal, and and it was it was really good. Yeah, and I mean um, the Bleeding Cool article which we're referencing here does point out that like Young Animal does still have books coming out, so. Like, if you're a fan of that stuff, I don't know that this is necessarily, like, a bad sign for Young Animal as much as it might be that the book just wasn't selling. But um, they do have uh, Far Sector, which is that Green Lantern title that was announced a couple months ago. That's coming out in January. So, Oh, okay. I wonder I wonder if it's just a, a different name that they're coming out with. You know, there's still going to be a Doom Patrol, but it's going to be under a different, you know, instead of Doom Patrol, Weight oh, of the sure. World, it's going to be yeah. Doom Patrol, Gerard Weight farts and everybody's gonna buy it yeah it could be okay um but yeah so i you know maybe not cause for concern yet but it it just like it feels like just yet another kind of like weird move from dc like from this in this last year you know from these books that like you know i we we've heard about them pretty recently and then it's like oh no, no no we're changing all the plans it's like okay all right yeah, we know we know that they're doing that trimming of their line, and they're bringing a lot of like stuff inward and trying to like kind of bring down the number of titles they're putting out and everything. So maybe that was what ended up like being the deciding factor for not making these into ongoings. But I, I don't know, Marco. Do you know Doom Patrol's getting a second season, right? Yes. Yes. Huh. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they just uh, don't like Brian Azzarello anymore. You, you show one bat dick and it all just goes out the window. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, okay. Um, oh, uh, okay. Sorry, Doom Patrol Season 2 is going to be also be streaming on HBO Max, just so you guys know. Interesting. Oh, yeah, didn't they say that they're going to be doing that with all the DC shows now? That they'll be on yeah, HBO yeah. Max as well? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. That makes sense. Uh, so moving right along, uh, we got the announcement of a new book uh, by Marvel called uh, Avengers of the Wastelands, which takes place uh, during the Old Man Logan era. 
So it's like over 50 years in the future. And um, so it, it, it's, it's most interesting because the, the solicit for it shows three people on a team. And it's uh, Danny Cage, the daughter of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, wielding Mjolnir and like acting as fucking Thor, which is pretty cool. And uh, there's A-Hulk, which if you know anything about the Old Man Logan era, there are several Hulks. So um, jury, jury's out on – I don't I wouldn't imagine it's Bruce Banner because, you know, we watched him get iced. But uh, it's somebody. And um, somebody who's got Ant-Man tech. And uh, they're going to be fighting against Doctor Doom. Uh, the solicit says, In a world where most superheroes fell at the hands of the Red Skull over 50 years ago, Danny Cage wields the mighty Mjolnir for the cause of peace. But when the brutal regime of Doctor Doom forces Dwight, a.k.a. the owner of the surviving Ant-Man technology, to Danny and the Hulk in a last-ditch effort to survive, the Avengers have the chance to assemble once more. My name's Old Man Peter Quill, and I'm just... <laughs> I'm so happy that I won't be lonely no more. <laughs> this is uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, I'm, I'm I don't think I'm gonna pick it up, but uh, an interesting concept, uh, especially considering that who is this? Is this gonna be Ed Brisson's writing? Yeah, I was gonna right? say Ed Ed Brisson's writing it, which is the thing that stuck out to me the most. I'm like, all right, mm. yeah, I'm like, all right, all right. could be good, could be good. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a fun premise, and I always like the like alternate future like yeah. kind of stories because it's They're like fun. yeah because there's no stakes or i'm sorry there is stakes because it doesn't matter oh, like they can do whatever I they want had a steak in years <laughs> my digestion just can't keep up oh if Groot were here he could make me a salad <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm a fan too. Um, but yeah, it's also it's cool. You don't really see Danny Cage in too much since she's generally a child. So um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how this one turns out. I'm I'm interested in it. Uh, so moving right along, we got the first official trailer for Bloodshot, uh, which is the Valiant book that's being adapted by uh, Sony, and I, th- I think it's I think it's just Sony Pictures. Oh, and it's Columbia as well, which is a Sony imprint, so that makes sense. Um, so we, I mean, this has been, like, talked about for forever. We knew Vin Diesel was cast. We knew it was on the way. Um, and now we finally got to look at it. Uh, before I share my thoughts, what do you guys, what did you guys make of this trailer? Uh, b- before we, uh, before we started, Pete, me and you had a very similar reaction of, uh, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I have no idea what Bloodshot is. I know it's a comic book character. Uh, that's about the extent of I know my he's white and has like a red dot on his chest. Yes, that's... exactly. The, <laughs> Why the is he gotta be white, Sinister. Because he, cause he looks like a fucking cheat white ghost, bro. He's a vamp, dude. He look, I, I, I always thought it was a vampire character. Um, he does kind of look like a vampire. or He, kinda, right? he also kind of looks like Mr. Sinister just because of the yes, color scheme. Yes, yes. Like, it's like he looks like he could be a Mr. Sinister, like, you know, like just like lackey. <laughs> But but for me, seeing him, at least this version of Bloodshot, interested me enough that I was like, okay, wait, I wonder if this is what he is in the comics, because then that might actually be an interesting concept to to like explore. Because a, a a lot of what I assume will hurt Bloodshot, like like the movie in terms of just like getting the word out there is just unfamiliarity and people are not always willing to go see something like new like that 
Mm. Um, so, I mean, it, I think it definitely helps that Vin Diesel's starring in it. A hundred percent. Because like he's like a he's one of those actors, like especially when it comes to action movies that people show up for. Like, look how much fucking money Fast and the Furious makes. True. You know, yeah. I, I think I think this movie has a legit shot. That's a good point. Yeah, I think I think the movie will probably do well. I don't know how how much it'll bring people to the the Valiant the universe, though. Yeah, um, it might bring me. I'll say that. I, I can't believe how few views the trailer has right now. Like looking at it on YouTube, it went up five days ago. It has under it has just under nine thousand views. Nine thousand? No, that can't be right. As, no, I mean, so it could, just, it could just be displaying long. Oh, six, I'm looking. I'm looking 7. at the. I'm looking at the Valiant Comics one. That's why. That makes oh, sense. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. You know, 6.7 million views. That totally makes sense. Okay, good. That's a good Valiant sign. Ever? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a very good sign. What do are, what are the, uh, the thumbs up versus thumbs down look like on it? Let's see. Let's see. Oh, shit. Hold on. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, so we got 135K up and 3.6 down. Okay, man. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I think I think... I was ready to write this off as another, just another Vin Diesel movie, um, until they get into the like the twist of it, uh, where it it seems like you know the the corporation or whatever is controlling his memories, and it uh, it looks like it that at, at the very least the trailer makes it look very well done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed by the quality of it because I was right there with you, Kale, where like I I very much was kind of like not necessarily writing it off, but it wasn't anything that was like on my radar because I've never read any Valiant books. I don't have any connection to this character. And like I was like, yeah, it's probably going to be like another one of those early 2000s, like loose comic adaptions yeah. starring a, a action star, you know, and not that that can't be good, but like how good could it be and like yeah. looking at this the effects look really good mm-hmm. like yeah. i think the the plot seems interesting and like as much as it would have been cool to like see that twist in the movie and not know it i don't know that i would be as interested in it if i didn't know the twist yeah so yeah. i i had to say i thought this was a really effective trailer because it went from being a movie that i was like oh are we gonna have to see this for the show to being like oh i want to see this this looks pretty fucking good Yes. And like, how many cool action movies do we get these days? Not that many. So uh, like, about five or six a year from one specific company. So, <laughs> Pete, that was the exact same reaction I had. Like, it was it was very much that that twist uh, of being of the memories being controlled that actually dropped brought me in. Because before oh, I was no, that, I was just kind of just like, oh, all right, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And then and then the first thing happened. I was like, wait, what? I was like, oh shit, wait a minute. <gasps> yeah. Yep. interesting yeah. yeah i was kind of like okay so he's kind of like the punisher it's kind of like taken sort of. or whatever and then it's like oh no there's like this whole other layer to it that like uh, that intrigue seems really fucking cool because like mm-hmm. you can imagine how like how many times is he gonna have to learn what's actually happening right well, exactly you it's know? like if they do this right if they play this trailer right and if they've done it well this will outdo the that tom cruise movie with uh, emily blunt edge of oh, tomorrow oh that's that movie yes, fucking yes. kicks ass it kicks ass but i don't think they showed that what that no. movie is actually about in the trailer yeah you're totally and right I, I wrote and, that movie off until i saw it and was like yep. oh fuck what the hell that's so awesome I, I think this might get that crowd now that they know i think you're right i really do and again i think like the effects look really good vin diesel's mm-hmm. a draw like yeah in general like i feel like 
this movie's got like a legit shot at at connecting with people and like maybe actually legitimately establishing a competitor to what Marvel's doing. Mm-hmm. Is is there a larger connected universe to, to this stuff? I wouldn't say it's a larger connected universe, but there is a connected universe to it. Yes. Yeah. There's other it... superheroes in the Valiant universe. Like Faith is one. Mm. Is, it nin- uh, is that Ninjack that? Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Ninjack. Ninja yeah. So there's like a few. They have a few they can they can pull out and like I don't think they need to like go full crossover where it's like eventually they all team up. You could just have like, oh, you saw Bloodshot. Like this is in the same universe and. You know, they like there's mentions to things that you might know from that or whatever, you know, and like have it like, be a little bit more loose. Mm, okay. So if the movies are good, that's all the fucking matters, really. Right. I'm curious. I, I don't know if you guys remember. I think we talked about this. It had to have been when we started the show. Uh, uh, Jason David Frank, the guy who uh, Tommy was going to mm. play Bloodshot in like a web s- series. Oh, yeah. He did, didn't he? I think I think it did happen. It I think did? it happened. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. I, I what, just what? I just Googled it and I, I couldn't find it. No, let me see. Uh, so I I mean if they did, I'd I'd sure as heck watch those. I didn't know about that. Um. Yeah, yeah, no, it's here. I searched Bloodshot web series and uh, Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe shows up. It says watch the full series of Valiant Entertainment and Bat in the Sun's Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe starring Jason David Frank. Damn. Okay. It's like an hour and thirteen minutes. Damn. Okay. Wait, what yeah. was it? Bloodshot? What? Uh, the video that I found is called Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe, and he, uh, J- Jason David Frank, is in it as Bloodshot. It's like a whole thing. I didn't know about that. I will send you a link. Mm, yeah, please do. Maybe maybe I'll do something with that. That'd be cool. No. Um but yeah, for for me, like this went from being a thing I was not really paying attention to to like, okay, this is on my fucking radar. Yeah, and one yeah, of the things yeah. I, I wouldn't expect you guys to have picked up on this, but um the you know how there was like that uh like younger black dude with the beard who he was talking to? Isn't that isn't he from uh, the New Girl? Yes, yeah. Uh, the actor's name is Lamorne Morris. Yeah, and he's fucking hilarious in that show. Yeah. I so I'm a big fan yeah. of of him. Uh, and he was also he was in like another comedy recently, um, Game Night, which which I know got a lot of uh, a lot of positive feedback, didn't it? I know. I, I, I never heard of it. So. Oh yeah, I, 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 it was like one of those. Yeah, yeah, no. So it, it actually did do really well. Um, Didn't do that I mean, well. Well, I mean, it made three times its budget over, five times its budget over. Pretty good. I never yeah, heard of it. Bitch. So you don't even watch anything. It's <laughs> not true. I watch Star Trek every night. Fair enough. Uh, well, either way, I'm a big fan of him. So seeing him in this, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, I yeah. like him too. Yeah, I'm in for this. I'm definitely in. Yep. So uh, shout outs to Bloodshot. I hope it. I hope it. I hope it comes together. I'm excited. And, for and it. you know what? Uh, as far as like superhero universes go, like the Valiant stuff, it Seems is surprisingly good. well done. Yeah. Like just. I, How I much know, of it have you read? Uh, I've read. I've only read Faith. Two events, I think. Okay. And a couple of spinoffs from those. Um, yeah. And I. I. I mean. I it's kind of hard to keep track just jumping in you know as, as any event goes 
you know, keep track of who you're supposed to be rooting for. But uh-huh. at the same time, yeah. with what uh, with what was going on, I, I I didn't really feel like you were supposed to be rooting for anybody. Okay. So they, yeah, it is. I it's surprisingly good. And and from what uh, from what I hear, they do have a lot of very hidden gems. Uh, like yeah. uh, uh, Quantum and Woody is supposed to be very good. Okay, maybe I'll have to start checking some of this stuff out because I, I like, like I, I think I said before, I've never really read any of their stuff except like I got like free Comic Book Day or like at the Valiant booth at Comic Con of like Faith One and I want to say two, so I've read maybe two issues of it and I was like, oh, okay, this seems pretty cool. I'd like to go back and read this, but you know, just never really got around to it. So, um, but I gotta say, like. I kind of was with Marco where, like, I always thought, like, Bloodshot, I was like, ah, he seems, like, kind of like a generic, like, image 90s superhero. Yeah, And then, like, exactly. seeing this, I'm like, this looks kind of cool. Like, maybe I'll check it out. Why not? And that's, that's exactly what it is. The attitude, I think, that sort of goes against Valiant is, is that exact attitude with their sort of face character kind of being Bloodshot. Yeah. It's exactly that. It looks like a cable ripoff. Yeah, right. And uh, it's it's hard to kind of get past that until you see what else there is. Yeah. And that was what appealed to me about Faith. Like, Faith seemed, like, very counter to that. So I was like, oh, maybe there's more depth to this than I'm giving it credit for. And it sounds like there is. So maybe, maybe we'll have to check out some Valiant stuff. Uh, all right. So move right along. Um, we've got an uh, update on the kind of like ongoing drama around Marvel television in that uh, Jeff Loeb seems to be preparing to exit his role as the head of Marvel television. So according to a, uh, this kind of came out like last week uh, with a story from Variety, but then the Hollywood Reporter corroborated and added some new details. So I'll just read a little bit uh, from the Newsarama article here that we'll link to down below that kind of sums it up. But according to the Hollywood Reporter sources, uh, Loeb has been planning for his departure for a bit, and he's expected to announce it by Thanksgiving. By Thanksgiving, since well before Marvel Studio President Kevin Feige was given oversight on all Marvel divisions, reporting that has yet to be officially confirmed by Disney. Confusing sentence, but essentially it seems as though he's exiting now before Kevin Feige takes over. Uh, And then the Hollywood Reporter provides a summary of, like, you know, kind of like a lot of the hits and misses of his career. And, um, but it had this kind of like one thing where, like, they talked about that, um, that female, like, focused superhero show that we talked about a few episodes ago. I think it was maybe the one that just Sean and I are on. So I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh, was it animated? It was ABC was in talks. Uh, with Marvel for a new female super-led TV series to replace Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after the 2020 finale. So the implication was that it was live action. I didn't know. I guess I didn't know about that. And there was no confirmation that that was something that was going to be about, like, existing characters or it could be new ones. Like, it was, like, very, very, very preliminary talks. Um, But it seems as though, like, that's still going down. So... Yeah, it, it's interesting because, like, obviously there's all these, de- de- like, you know, pretty pretty hefty amount now of Disney Plus tr- shows about, you know, stuff that's taking place in the MCU. And then you've got all this other stuff that's kind of living on the periphery. A lot of it's ending. A lot of it's, you know, like kind of winding down. But then there's this other show that's like, 
in this weird middle ground, like along with like Cloak and Dagger and Runaway and uh, Runaways rather. So it's like it's it, it's interesting. Um, Marvel declined to comment on the Hollywood Reporter story, so like this is kind of all we have to go on right now. I, but I, I can't imagine they would. There's nothing to say at the moment, really. Right. I uh, yeah. I I'm kind of surprised that this hasn't happened sooner. Frankly. Yeah. Especially after like the Inhumans debacle, and then especially all this stuff that has come out about like uh, Ghost Rider. Um. You know, they canceled the Hulu show because Kevin Feige has plans for the character or whatever. Yep. And man, if I was Jeff Loeb, who has been around since before Marvel was ever even part of Disney, I should, man, fuck this. Like, I don't need this. Yeah. Like, Yeah, it's like at this point, like, it's pretty clear that his position is, like, superfluous, you know? And, like, the whole arm that he's leading is something that doesn't fit into what they do anymore, really. Well, and it it seems like their 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 mixed messages about what they want has always you know affected the product that he's been able to to make, and you can see that all over Agents of Shield. Yeah, and it sucks well, because when when Agents of Shield really did uh, what it set out to do around the time of uh, uh, Thor two and and. Captain America Winter Soldier, it nailed it, and it was a hundred percent. The Hydra stuff in Agents of Shield was dynamite. And they just it just who it just fucking disappeared. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no shortage of those examples either, right? Like, I mean and it is unfortunate because there is some really good stuff there. Like I, I maintain, I think the three seasons of Daredevil that we have are better than anything in the MCU. So, you know, like it's unfortunate because there were good products that came out of Marvel Television, and it seems like more and more that it's going to be, you know, something that gets kind of closed up uh, in favor of the new direction, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different thing. You know, I think there's a good chance those Disney Plus shows will also be very good. So. We'll see. Well, and it's one of those things that I've I've always said that like the DC and the CW shows like say what you will about like their their graphics or or you know whatever Sean's yeah. common complaint is, uh, and I say Sean specifically because he's the one that's voiced that he specifically doesn't like them. Yeah, like they have the universe nailed down the way they want it. You know, and it's growing. Like they're they're about to do the Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, story and event, and like they can't get their movies off the ground. So why? Like, it's just amazing to me that you know it gets overlooked because it's on the CW. When like that's that stuff like the Flash would be a perfect Spider-Man show. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate because I, I think that those kinds of stories and, like, definitely appeal to me more. Like, the thing that I really liked about the Netflix stuff that Marvel was doing is that it was, like, the characters that I like. You know, like, I like street-level heroes more than I like cosmic-level world hanging in the balance, like, that kind of stuff. Like, I get into it if it's good, but I generally prefer heroes that are closer to the ground and the limitations that Marvel television had 
encourage them to make those kinds of shows, you know? And like, yeah, I, you know, I, it's a bummer on some level, but I also understand their desire to, you know, kind of like bring things a little bit closer together and like be able to have more control of the brand and stuff like that and not have there be too many cooks in the kitchen, you know? Um, because what Kevin Feige is doing is working, you know, and you can't, you can't deny that. And like, you look at the Netflix shows and as good as Daredevil's three seasons were, the others were not, they were a mixed bag. Some of them have heights that are as good as Daredevil, but like, they're not that consistent throughout. And, you know, they struggled after a while. So as good as those things were, like, who's to say that we might not get something better now that. Feige has the ability to control that level of production, you know, like a smaller, more intimate story that takes place over 13 hours instead of two. Did uh, did you guys see the rumor that uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones, uh, uh, Christian Ritter and Charlie, what's his nuts? Cox. Oh, I was pretty close then. <laughs> um, uh, there's a rumor that they will be uh brought over to the disney plus stuff i really hope that's true uh but the others apparently won't getting the axe i mean that makes sense like iron fist was not very good Uh, hot garbage yeah but to me i would i would love if they were like yo we're bringing those shows over and they did daredevil jessica jones punisher and heroes for hire because I don't know that either of them can have their own show, but the two of them together, I think they could get something good. I well, and I liked uh, I like Mike Coulter as uh, as Luke Cage. I, I love Mike Coulter. Yeah, yeah, he's super charming. Like, I hope he. Yeah, I hope they figure something out with him. But I mean, they could always put him in Jessica Jones. Yeah. Well, I I, I guess I just mean the actor because yeah. you know I I would hate I would hate for them to leave to have Charlie Cox and, and Christian Ritter and not Mike Coulter, and the other guy can fuck off. Yeah, he's he's whatever. I I wouldn't be upset if they recast. Um, but yeah, I I mean, I think if that does happen, like I would love it if they brought Mike Coulter back as a supporting character and Jessica Jones, like he was in season one, because that'd be tight. Nothing wrong with that. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But I, man, I hope that's true. I would love another season of Daredevil uh, and Punisher for that matter. So where guys. they left off in season two, like very exciting. You and like thousands of other people, apparently. Yeah, there's this you... whole save Daredevil movement. Actually, yeah, man, why not? Dude, Daredevil's that... good. Yeah, like I, I don't think Daredevil ever ever lost its quality. And season three was like as good as season one, for sure. So I'd, I'd, I'd be down for another season of that. I don't need like ten more, but like, I could definitely go for another one. All right, so uh, for our last item on the news list this week, we've got something a little bit different. This was something that uh, Marco brought to my attention and asked if we could talk about. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to him, and he can introduce the topic and all of the surrounding story because there's a lot of like supplemental information and everything. And Catch us up, Marco. What are we talking about? What's going on? <clears throat> all right, so uh, in Malaysia... A book called The Belt and Rolled Initiative for Win-Winism uh, was released. It was a comic book 
Um, it was earlier this year, and it was released by Hugh Kwan Yao and uh, Chong Po Ling, otherwise known as Tomato. Uh, he was the artist. And I love to- people that are bold enough to just like take a regular word and be like, that's my name. <laughs> he, he's a man of class. Uh, Tomato was the artist. Tomato was the artist, yes. Okay. So uh, the book is about the Belt and Road Initiative, which is a a China policy. uh, It's a foreign China policy, and its main goal is to reach out to other countries, invest, and uh, try to grow the China uh, business, right? The the overall China government power uh, and also political effects, whatever, that that kind of stuff. But um, this writer, uh, Hugh Kwan Yao, he... Uh, aside from being the curator at the Asia Comics and Culture Museum, he's also a DAP activist and government representative, DAP being the Democratic Action Party. So he wrote a comic book version of this of this law. Um, and it was fine. Like, you know, it, got, it had some rumblings. It was whatever. No big deal. Uh, and then last week, he has access to... Um, different kinds of uh, printings and publishers and so what he did was actually then spread the comics to schools uh, specifically secondary primary schools um, and it was seen as an attack on um, on the Chinese the spreading of Chinese ideas in Malaysia uh, so then the education education minister Masli Malik stepped in uh, banned the book had them removed from schools so, so real, real quick, Marco, before we yes. go forward, I have a question. Okay. Why is that a problem? Do, do Malaysia and China have like a very close relationship? No. So the uh, Malaysia, uh, Malaysia... I know it's close. Like the, the, the amount of ocean between them is not very big, right? Like Right. But but the thing is that they're they're still on the on the like defending side of trying to push back against um, Chinese communist ideas. Like from a government perspective, so you're saying that Malaysia's government is anti-communist? Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, all right. So they they distributed this, they pulled it out, and they said, you know, we're not trying, we're trying to keep schools a neutral ground. Um, so my question around this, we've, we've always talked about, you know, censorship. Um, obviously, this has a different spin on that. It it has some political leanings, um, some larger ramifications, um. So I, I just wanted to sort of have a discussion on on what you guys thought with with the political ideas thrown into the mix, the dissemination of this kind of, of art, one in schools and then two in general. So still so tackling the school portion first um, and then just like the general idea of being able to spread this kind of message through the comic book medium. Okay, so just to just to clarify so that we're all on the same page. So the timeline of events here, right, is this book is released – then it's published in schools, and it's then banned because of the fact that it's spreading communist ideas. It, it's pulled back from schools, and then now they're they're in discussions about whether or not they should remove get get it removed. But it's because because they're arguing that it it's like basically propaganda for communism, right? Correct. Okay. Anti communism. No, no communism. No, the book it, is pro communism. The government's anti communism. Right. Yeah. Okay. China is communist, correct? Yes. Correct. Malaysia is not. Is not. Okay. But the book by this Malaysian writer is pro-communist. And Malaysia is the one who's pulling the book. Yes. Right. 
Okay. Right. That's why I just wanted to clarify in case any of our listeners got lost in the the shuffle there because it's a lot of information. Yeah, and, and um, it's a it's not a democratic necessarily country, but it's a federal constitutional monarchy. So it's a monarchy. So just technical clarifications. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's worth pointing out. Uh, so this is this is a tough one because I think obviously I'm I'm anti censorship. I don't think that there's anything wrong with the book existing. Um, or this writer, you know, writing something that's pro-communist if that's if those are his political values. Uh, however, I I also don't necessarily blame the school because I think that like there's a fine line between like education and propaganda when it comes to that sort of thing, especially when it comes to young children because children are impressionable. So. I can understand a com- a country that is actively pushing back against a communist regime that is guilty of a lot of human rights violations, not wanting there to be art distributed in schools that is promoting like the opposition, you know? Um so like it's tough because like I think I would I need to like kind of read the I would need to read the source material myself and see like sure. what angle is it taking because like you I, know I have hold on I have one uh, I will say it's from CNN so whatever leanings whatever leanings you have um so this one excerpt being uh, these radical Malay youths may not necessarily have a favorable view of China due to its ethnic policy in Xinjiang. Um, Uyghur, or a minority nationality living living in Xinjiang, some of whom are part of a separatist movement and threatened the national unity and social harmony, were banned from the Chinese government. And then there's a little figure next set of like I guess a person processing and going, ah, Muslims are being ban- bullied by the communists, and it's supposed to be like a like I guess a, a more pro democrat. They have like a like glasses, a, a more dude up hairdo and whatnot. Sure. So uh, very much so right-leaning i guess mm-hmm. um obviously it's an excerpt it's taken out of context um but off that yeah so off that i don't that that's where it gets murky right because i think there's a big difference between censoring art that's about a differing political view and censoring propaganda because propaganda is art that it, that has um I, i'll say duplicitous goals Right, so I uh, art that's put out by the government. Yeah, right, exactly, and and that's that. And granted, in this case, it's not right. Like it's by a private citizen. Right. Um. Well, he but but, he's a he he is part of the government. Yes, yeah. yeah, He's he's part of the the Democratic Action Party. So yes, that's true. Um. But so either way, I I feel like this is a little bit different than than a traditional censorship story. Right, like it's it because it, I I think I'm trying to think of like what an equivalent would be in the United States, right? And like take like another like political party or country out of it or whatever. Like, like if I was a parent and I learned that my children were getting like they were being fed comics that like were promoting like abstinence or something and had like strong Christian overtones, like sure. I would go and. I, I wouldn't want that in my school, right? Oh, boy, you uh, didn't grow up where I did. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, so, like, that 
that's kind of where I come down on it. Okay. Is in in this instance, I I don't know that the government was wrong. And granted, like I said, like I don't I don't know the full context because I haven't read the book. But based on that CNN bit that we got there, the fact that it's like this kind of far right leaning thing that is like seemingly trying to radicalize youths, um, that that seems like a thing worth you know getting out of schools. Because it's not like they're like, we're banning it. Like, it was printed in the country and it was fine. So that to me is like, that's the line. Like, allowed to publish it? Allowed to propagate it? Sure. Should it be in schools? Probably not. Yeah, I I think that's where I fall too. I I think I would even go as far as to say, like, I... I would even support the government's right to say this can't be in... A school there's a school you know a school should be a place for learning and you know as we say not propaganda again i I, as objectionably yeah okay so in it so would you say in in the shoes of the education minister would you you'd ban this Or, or at least remove it from the schools uh and just have that discussion. I I would I would have the discussion for sure. Um, okay. I don't know that I would outright drop the hammer myself, uh, but I would I would certainly open the discussion. Yeah, I think in that position, that's probably where I'd land on it. Like, definitely not not allow it in schools and evaluate if it's dangerous, you know, right. and like and dubious because. You know, maybe there's a conversation to be had there. I mean, in- oh, sorry, guys, hold on. Hello. Uh huh. Oh, oh, really? Oh. Oh no, no, absolutely, yes, of course, of course. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. No, no, thank you so much. Absolutely, real? we're so sorry. I don't sorry, guys. So that was those were the sensors. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, Beijing called. Uh, Beijing. Kinda, yeah, yeah. They kind of said, you know, hey guys, you know, I, I get it, but it, it, it was good stuff. So, so on behalf of uh, the comics pals, we we would like to just say that on this story, the final thought here is that the the spreading of of the Belt and Road Initiative is good for the world uh, and good for America. No. I'm confused. (laughs) Free Hong Kong, Marco. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't realize that's what this was about. Hang on. (laughs) I do not. Uh, So no, I, I, um, I obviously side with the Chinese. So like, I mean, you guys are wrong, but like, um, no, but yeah, Yeah, you are you are an imperialist bootlicker, Marco. If I know anything about you. So I won't um, vote for Elizabeth Warren because I love the stock markets. Yo, <laughs> she's gonna attack my money, son. Um, but all right, <laughs> Kale's that was choking it. on the <laughs> ignorance. And that was Marco's World Report. <laughs> okay, well, that was yeah, that was a whole thing. Um, that was a whole thing. So. <clears throat> Can you clarify your position, Marco? Oh, because um, I, I think I'm still super confused about what all this is. 
I think that it was the right choice to act on it and remove the books from the schools. Um, but any discussion past that in terms of banning it from the uh, from country or circulation, um, I think is would be would be wrong. Then you agree with us? Yeah, it was a bit. All right, it didn't it didn't work. Just leave it there. Marco's a great actor, you guys. Let it die, Kale. All right, so I'm going to let this segment die, and we're going to move along into our main topic where we'll be reviewing Marauders number one uh, because I think something that we can all get behind on this podcast, especially Sean, is pirate stories. Pirates. Gar. Yar. Yar, muties. We're a group of pirates. Yar. Spike me in the booty. I've got a bag. What do you call it when a mutant steals a boat? Mutiny. A mutanty. Take <laughs> oh. <laughs> a break. Fucking podcast. <laughs> now I now I know why Sean hates pirates. <laughs> I said now now I know why Sean hates pirates. <laughs> All right, so let's let's jump into this thing. Uh, I I'm super excited to be back talking about X Men. I was bummed that I had to miss our X Men number one conversation last week, uh, but Marauders was one of the books, if not the book, that I was the most excited about. So I'm glad to uh, be here leading this discussion today. Um, let's just kick it off like spoiler free reactions and everything to the issue. What did you guys think? I'm about pirates. Hell yeah, brother. I'm about pirates. Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know um, what we no. did just there, but I liked it. But but yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm a fan of this. It, it was it was good stuff. Um, I, I thought that using Kitty to sort of lead it um, was an interesting place to put her because she, I think, fits well as, as the leader of a team. Um, and also, she's kind of like the underdog of the... Uh, of the X-Men family? I don't I don't know that I agree she's the underdog, but I do think she is a uh a good connection point. Yeah, Similar yeah. Similar to like uh, Peter Parker. Yes. Yeah. She, she she can ground you. Yes. And I feel I feel like especially the way that they're playing her right now where <laughs> it's like very much like it seems like some of the family kind of maybe underestimate her, you know, or that like she feels that way anyway. She feels like she's the young kind of like outcast or whatever. And like, obviously there's no shortage of great stories with that kind of character as your POV. I, I like that. Oh, actually no, we'll get into it. We're doing spoiler free, right? Yeah. I'm just looking for like general yeah, reactions, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll you know? We'll so for, what about you? Cal? For what me? You yeah. I, I love this issue. Um, oh, I'm so glad you guys both liked it. I think the, the hook here as well is very, very good. I uh, when we were doing the Hawks Pox reviews and we talked about the way this was gonna split up, I was very curious as to how this book was gonna go. This and one specifically. This one specifically, Marauders. Yeah. yeah, because it, for some reason, it felt like it would be my favorite, and I didn't know why. <clears throat> um, be, uh, and especially based on the limited sort of um idea we got from the the announcement and the information we got from the books themselves i was like okay this will probably be like a b plot or whatever 
but I'll probably pay attention to it. I like Kitty Pride. It's it's an interesting enough premise. It's mm-hmm. got my attention. It's got a good team. But in the two it pages does. they they give us, they give you a, they give you a hook that just doesn't come from anywhere. And it's like this angle that I can't believe we didn't see coming that I'm just like, "Oh shit, I need to know this." Yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm so I'm right there with both of you guys. I love this first issue. Um, I also enjoyed X Men number one, but I I this like blew it out of the water for me. Um, I am, was similar to you, Kale, where this was the book that I think appealed to me the most at, from the initial round of solicits. A because I I just I love Kitty Pride. She's always been one of my favorite X Men. When we like y- fucking hundred episodes ago or whatever, when we did that like pick your five like best X Men, you know, to put your team together, like you know had to put kitty on that team and uh i agree with you marco as somebody who is a fan of the ultimate comics stuff where she was leading the like underground mutants and like you know obviously she has a history in 616 as well like leading teams so i i love seeing kitty at the helm of the squad mm-hmm. and the the people she has supporting her two of yeah. them are like I, I i've always liked pyro as an antagonist the idea of him flipping cool with that and Iceman and Storm are two of my other favorite mutants. Yeah, so for me it's it was like Storm. Storm, perfect. like, I'm like, perfect. Storm, awesome. And then, uh, I forget that Pyro is a, like a bad guy. Um, so it's <laughs> cool to have fire and ice. Like, yeah. that combination is so awesome. It's like, yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm super into this cast. Uh, I think the mission that they're going on is really cool. And presents like a lot of opportunities for like interesting cameos, introducing new mutants. Like there's a lot of meat here on the bone. And I, I also love pirates. So the idea of them just being like, we're this rogue squad just going and like, you know, basically doing like a reverse triangle trade situation. Yeah. We're like, we're going to go like break a bunch of mutants free and take them to paradise and then go back out and kick more fucking ass. It's like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Are you kidding me? And I love the way that Jerry Duggan is writing Kitty. Like, I the voice that he has for her is, like, really working for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. the stuff where she was, like, drunk and, like, being super, like, sarcastic and all that stuff. I was like, <laughs> yeah. this is cool. Like, this is a cool side of this character that, you know, it's, it's really, really landing for me. And I fucking... Like I love Lockheed, so yeah. Like, shout out to Lockheed. The, it's all it's all dope. Like good usage of him in it too. Um, that scene with him and Pyro yep. was like, go, oh my god, that was so cool. You know, Dragon Fire. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Are we? In, so I, I thought this was a great first issue, really. Mm. Um, so let's 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 get into the into the the meat of it because I want to talk about the hook. So if you haven't read the book yet, we all really liked it. Go check it out. We'll see you next week. Um, but Kale, you talked about the hook at the beginning of the book, which is us finding out that Kitty seems to be the only mutant that can't use the portals to get to and from Krakoa. And I don't even necessarily know that she's the only one that can't, but the fact that she's a main X-Men team member that can't use it, uh, is baffling. Like that raises so many questions. Yep. It sure does. Uh, and it, is it, she a mutant? Who knows? Oh. And I, I would think yes, because like Kayla didn't there, even think of that. Yeah, dog. there was there was that situation. 
and this is like I'm a little fuzzy on some of my X-Men history, but where she was – some of her DNA was used to make a clone. Do you know what oh, I'm talking Oh, I remember about? this. That's, I remember uh, this. That's Ultimate. That's Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, then never mind. Is it? Is I that what I'm thinking no, of? No, there There's something where like she – Because Marco remembers it. I, I remember – it's like after something happened on Genosian. Genosian, whatever it is. Um, It, it was like right after the, a bunch of Sentinels attacked. I think it was astonishing. No, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to find this because I looked it up and now I don't remember. Hold on one second. It's like Cyclops climbs. Okay, down. here it is. Here it is. Okay. Uh, see, I don't know if this is true. I saw a comment from someone where they said, "In Powers of X." Rasputin is a chimera made in part from her X gene, so she's definitely a mutant. So, if that's true, hmm. then, but that was exactly where my mind went to. Kale was just like, "Oh, are, are they going to pull out some weird thing where she's not a mutant?" And what? Because I mean, that would be interesting. Like, what does that mean for, you know, another like, an- another possibility? I just thought of is maybe she's not one of the ones that, for whatever reason. Professor X has cataloged. That's that's interesting. So too. maybe her Why her her DNA isn't in, ingrained into the database or whatever. Yeah. Oh, so she's just not allowed or something. But then, yeah. but why? But then it's a weird timeline, right? Like, why would you not have reached out to Kitty Pride? But why? Well, the my my. Uh, uh, why haven't we seen? kitty yet Until why now. is why is this the first time we're seeing her right yeah i don't know it, there there it's an interesting question <laughs> that's the thing and uh it's funny because something i really liked about about both of these two issues that we've gotten so far is one of the big concerns that i feel like we had leaving hoxpox was oh like where where is the x-men book where we're gonna get the kinds of stuff that we got in those books. And I feel like we're seeing it. Like we have Already, that page. Yeah. yeah. We have that page where it's Kitty's journal. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like they kept that style. They kept that look and that feel. And the fact that we have this huge question that has insane, you know, potential for ramifications and, and whatever. And the fact that realistically, probably none of the things we've thrown out are true and they're going to swerve us and have some other weird thing that comes up and it'll be just as interesting. Like really speaks to the fact that it, it feels like these books are keeping the quality, man. Like so far. And that's so exciting. I wonder, I wonder who has, who, who wrote this? If it was Jerry Duggan or if it was Hickman or this, this is just Jerry Duggan. Uh, the the journal entry and the, the oh, notes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's possible. But what? It's possible that that Hickman did it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, he does these so well that I wonder if these are kind of his. Uh, maybe they're his uh, springboard for, you know the, the creators. Like the series in general. Yeah, yeah. that's. That's definitely possible. Because, I mean, like, I know that there was that stuff in X1 where they had, like, the layout of their rooms mm-hmm. and everything, and I definitely got the impression that was Hickman. But that's a Hickman yeah. book. X-Men oh, yeah, you're right. That is Hickman's X-Men book, is though. Hickman yeah, book. duh. Um, I, uh, I I did want to mention the the way that 
her interaction was with Emma Frost and like um the the the, the what you would call it her being the red queen and like that whole that whole conversation because it it implies a lot that what she's trying to do is get her in from like a righteous perspective and to 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 be the leader of the marauders um and to go around from that side where it's uh it's like shady to some extent obviously it's a it's a good deed but there's this like underlying tone where She's trying to use her to, for some reason mm-hmm. or for something, mm-hmm. you know. But I think I think that's how Emma is using it to appeal to Kitty. Kitty, I think, is like uh, is like uh, Peter Parker in that he just he really just wants to do the right thing. And so I think the way you get a, that kind of character is you have to show them the good, and then kind of slip around and say ah but you know we are kind of doing this other stuff and um and i think i also think that emma knows she's gonna have to and and we we talked about this uh during hawksbox too kitty is on the outside of all this as well so with her position as as the red queen or or whatever you know her position is going to be she's going to have uh, uh, a moral base or whatever that is is a ground for for her to stand on against Xavier and Moira and Magneto and whatever the fuck they're doing. Because we know Emma doesn't quite see it the way they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're allies, but they're not necessarily aligned a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and, and this was something I thought was interesting too, how they, they brought back the red diamond, which was the best news and gossip from bar sinister (laughs) and, uh, sinister secret 11. I don't remember if this one was in the original round of them, but it, it may have been, it sounded familiar to me, but it was whispers on the wind that a certain mutant undergoing a new phase of their life is sitting on quite an offer. It won't last, but I wonder if they'd be surprised to know that they were not the first nor the second choice, perhaps the third time's the charm. So we already know that Emma reached out to Storm before Kitty. So who was her first choice? Oh, interesting. Don't know who, but it's an interesting question. Right. And uh, I wonder what the implication there is the of the it won't last. Is that that the mission, you know, is finite? Is it that Emma's Emma's gonna turn heel? Or that Kitty is going to find out that Emma's doing something that she can't abide by? Mm, maybe. I, I think any of those things are good possibilities. Yeah, and, and I think the thing is, you know, similar to what Marco was saying, we don't 100% know the other half of the Hellfire Club. You know, we don't know right. what um, Sebastian, Sebastian Shaw, Shaw has going on. He's kind of the uh, the more illicit part of this triangle. Do, yeah, do we he's, remember? He's way more of a wild card from my perspective. Yeah. Do we remember what book he's going to be in? Is is it going to be this one or is it? Mm, I don't. I don't remember if he's going to be in this or if he has a, a position in another book. I'm, I'm looking it up. Okay. So while Marco does that. Uh, 
let's talk about a little bit about the art. What did you guys think about it? I liked it. I liked it a lot. There were, uh, especially the inks, there was a lot of like fuzziness and graininess around like some of the edges. They were very always straight lined. Um, I thought that, I thought was... that was used effectively because it's not all the time. It was just yep. like to make effect, you know, for like shadowing and stuff like that. And that that's something I appreciate. Um, they, uh, the colors were, 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 nice. They were kind of, um, not a streamlined, but they were, they were done very well. Uh, and I wasn't I th- as into the covers colors actually. Yeah. Like I thought, I thought Mateo Lolly's line work was good. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know who was responsible for the inks between them, but, um, yeah, Federico bleed on colors. Like they weren't bad. I didn't feel like they like did anything against the book, but I felt like they were the weak leg among writing line work and color. Like that yeah. was the thing that stood out to me the most where like some of the lighting on, on like the costumes and on people's faces and stuff like that just felt like uh, just a little basic, I guess. Like there are a few moments where it, it works really well, but there's times where like there was like a specific close up of Kitty that I'm having trouble finding now where like the sunlight on her face just looks like a perfect circle almost and i'm kind of just like oh, okay like that's you know it's just like a little half baked you know right um, yeah there was like a um uh i don't know it, it wasn't like pepe la Raz had a very much like very uh, not pepe la Raz, what's his name um oh my god marcia uh, yeah, gracia had like Marta this gracia, sorry overarching just feel right um, you would go from scene to scene, but the scene holistically would feel a certain way. The colors would shift in a certain way. It was, it was very much like looking at the broader picture. I think in the pages, it's captured well. Um, there's just like from a, a larger just cohesion for the whole book. I think there's a little bit there that's lacking. Like I feel like you look at you look at how good her face looks in that interaction where she's like, "What the hell?" When her face is bleeding from the from the portal mm-hmm. and that's like really well done and then cut forward to when she's on the beach having the conversation with like Iceman and Wolverine and there's just like uh, like specifically the the panel that stuck out to me is like where Wolverine's like you got it all right and he goes and jumps in the water and she's like yes Logan like that that bit like some of the the, the specifically like the reflection of the water or the sun or whatever just feel like uh, just a little off to me and I, I can't quite place my finger on it but it, it, it just feels a little flat well, I don't know I disagree I, I like the colors I think they worked really well cool yeah and again I don't think they're bad I, I they just felt a little inconsistent to me and I guess maybe I'm a little bit spoiled from uh, from March Gracias because that, well, that work is insane well a lot of the um, a lot of the talk about uh x-men was people were worried that lineal you and his his art and his whole team wouldn't be able to hold uh hold a candle to the 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 coloring and and the art styles of of the series uh but uh, i think similar to x-men one and what we said yes uh, last week i i think it worked really well i, I so think lo- it, it all still feels uh cohesive I, I did want to ask you guys just real quick. Like you guys were both into X Men number one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where, like, where are you at right now in this X Men conversation? 
Because, like, when we did our polls, like, I called out, like, I'm really excited for the next one. I'm still very much on that train. Like, are you guys excited to be following these books now? Like, do you, like after these issue number ones? Or do you still feel like you're going to drop off of a bunch of them once we stop reading them for the show? Uh, I think I'm going to drop off just because I've been sort of moving to reading to more trades. So, like, I'll... I'll <clears throat> I, I think for me, the, the stories are more enjoyable and not collected. Um, so I'd rather pick it up once, you know, once I, I hear, you know, sort of the, the consensus and then I can pick up the ones that I, I think are most, you know, going to be most valuable or the best stories at least. I feel similarly. I, uh, a lot of the other books don't have characters that I'm interested in or that I know. So after this one, I, like, I... I'm interested to give the number ones a try, but I, other than X-Men and Marauders, I don't know what those, you know, what I want to keep with. Yeah, that's the thing I'm most interested in seeing. I think these two books were, like, almost guaranteed that I was going to follow, like, for the foreseeable future. I'm interested to see how I feel about the rest of them once we've gotten through the first round of number ones. And are there any of them that were interested in continuing to read on the show? Because I, I definitely, like, so far, like, I'd be down to read the number twos for X-Men and Marauders for sure, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm interested to see where we where we net out on all that because well, so far it seems like the quality is maintaining. And the stuff, the stuff that I'm really, really interested in has only just been announced. Like, mm-hmm. uh, this like week it Moira was announced. Uh, last week was the Moira book they announced, and then this week – they announced a uh, a book with uh, the conflict about Franklin Richards written by uh, Chip Zdarsky. The what? Right. Yes. So do you remember? Yeah. Why didn't? Um, do you I, remember I, in House of X one when uh, Cyclops? Oh stops yes, yes. Magneto or the Fantastic Four stops uh, Sabretooth, and yeah. Cyclops makes that crack about uh, Franklin coming home to be with his real family. Yeah. Um, I guess that is actually going to be a real thing what and, is that thing do we know or well i i mean not necessarily i don't think i mean i don't know a ton about franklin richards but i think it, it kind of depends on your view of what makes a mutant i think mm. um you know is a mutant someone who's born with powers or is it a specific gene that a mutant is born with right um, Got it. But he has the X gene, right? I don't know. I don't, that's what I'm saying. I, I think it depends on what your definition is. Um, I, I because if you're born with powers and that's the X gene, then yes. <clears throat> but I think he he also happens to be, uh, you know, the son of two people with very intense powers. So right. Yeah, I really I don't know, but. That it does. Con- it does look like he, it, like he does have the X gene. All right. From what I'm looking at here, on Wikipedia. <clears throat> oh well, fuck it. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm very interested in that conflict, and I'm very interested to read uh, Chip's interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Chip's been good. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And I'm excited to see that there are more X-Men books, which is, like, weird because there's, like, a million of them. And I'm like, oh, keep announcing them. Give me more. (laughs) 
Uh, it's definitely a good time to be an X fan. Um, so any other thoughts on this issue before we wrap this conversation up? Uh, I, I think in general, like just to sum up my thoughts, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm fascinated by this hook. I like this team. I like the creative team. Like overall, this seems like a book I'm definitely interested in following month to month. Um, what about you guys? I think the interest there, uh, but I probably will get it in trade. Yeah. If we're not reading this collectively on the show i i would definitely wait for this trade too but it would be a guaranteed buy for me since i'm a yeah. trade leader anyway. yeah that's good um yeah for me i think how how month to month i stay is going to be dependent on how much i like all the books because if they are putting out an x-men book every week that is relevant to the overall plot and i'm interested in it then it feels a little bit less like spread out you know because you're constantly getting new information i don't know i'm gonna be interested to see how i feel about it when it's all said and done I uh I don't have the money to keep up with X Men titles week to week, so I'll be, my wallet will be very happy to uh, when all this is over. There's a lot of them, yeah. I think that's going to be a factor for me too. Is like, can I afford to buy Every, ten yeah. X Men books? I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, but thank you again, listeners, for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals and uh, for you know listening to our Marauders review. Let us know what you're thinking about the book. What are you thinking about all of these X titles? Um, are you following all of them? Like, which ones are you following? You know, let us know um, because so far we're enjoying them. We're definitely going to review the rest of these number ones, and then we'll kind of touch base, decide where we're going to go from there. Um, I think I'm going to push to keep a couple of these in our rotation, but we shall see. So if you want us to keep reviewing them once we're done with these number ones, make sure you write in and let us know because uh, that may be a deciding factor here. Um, so again, let me just remind you how you can show your support for the show. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you give it a like on your platform of choice. Um, you know, give us a subscribe, a share, all that stuff. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us one of those five-star ratings. If you've got comics readers in your life, let them know we're out here. We're doing a show that you enjoy every week uh, and sometimes more than once a week, um, like with our Watchmen review, which you can go check out episode one. And episode two should be live either today or tomorrow by the time you're listening to this. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that one. And, um, you know, go follow us on social media, all that stuff. You guys know how to internet. Uh, so before we get out of here, let's do some plugs. Marco? You can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, thank you guys again for tuning in and listening. I do want to say stay tuned. Tuesday, Uzumaki Book Club drops. So if you haven't oh, shit. Uh, if you haven't read that, it's our spooky Halloween book club release. Um, we had a lot of opinions on it. I, I think we mostly all enjoyed it um and yeah go go see what else we got in terms of the the gruesomeness that is that book it's something else man uh yeah trigger warning for really weird fucked <laughs> up body horror listen <laughs> i i marco i don't know if you've listened to it yet but the uh, the long box boys also did uh oh shiver Tito's other collection shiver yet. and, and Mur- murphy almost threw up it sounds it sounds like it's a lot worse than uzumaki so yes i, I kind of want to read it i i even just listening to their uh description of it i was like no that's probably not the book for me i'll just stop at uzumaki <laughs> uh you can find me on twitter and instagram at toto in toe that's t-o-t-o-i-n-t-o-w uh you can find me in my work at kaleward.com c-a-l-e-w-a-r-d.com I do a podcast with my wife about uh, being married to a person from a different culture. 
and uh, called Gone Global. And this week we did uh, another edition of the Great American Candy Quiz. So uh, if you like game shows and facts about other countries, this is the show for you. It was a lot of fun, I will say. Your boy's putting in some work. Yeah, good stuff, good content. I made a, I made a, a special Halloween theme. Yeah. Uh, well, you you also had some pretty good some good production on the the quiz, and then oh, Jess made this awesome joke about cheese. Guys, go check it out. Spoil the whole thing, you Marco. Gotta listen to Gone Global. <laughs> gotta listen to Gone Global anywhere you get your podcasts. Very you nice. can find Phil at Cyborg Bebop. That's C Y B O R G B O B O P. I think I spelled Cyborg Bobop. You did. I, yeah, you did. Oh, well. somebody, somebody jump on that Twitter handle so we can make a a, a meme of uh, Phil. Fake Phil. Yeah. That seems like a Marco thing to do. Phil, uh, Phil Casey ebooks. <laughs> <laughs> As for Sean, you can find him at Sean Soapbox on Twitter and Instagram only. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. You can find uh, the other podcasts that I host, the podcast over at loopots.com and all kinds of podcast services uh, where we talk about Nintendo every week. And um, I also am on the Patreon exclusive show After Dark. Um, so yeah, if you want to go check out more stuff from me, you can go check that stuff out. And uh, I already said my social, so that's it. That wraps it up for this episode of the Comics Pals. We'll see you next week, babies. Uh, bye. 98 bottles of beer on the walls. 97 bottles of beer. Yeah, you take, take one, one down, down and pass, pass it around. around. 94 bottles of beer on the wall. I will say, Phil, Philip. Off with his head. Off with his head. <laughs> <laughs>